Well, good Saturday to you. Welcome to Ed Stetzer Live. I am, well, Ed Stetzer, and we are going to have a great conversation today. I love all of our guests, but, you know, I'm not saying I love more than others, but sometimes you just have a guest that's kind of a hero that uh, probably all of us know, um, and that's super fun today. So Dr. Gary Chapman is going to be my guest today. And of course, I mean, we all know Gary Chapman for lots of things, probably love languages being the best known. I was actually sitting on an airplane and someone was reading about the love languages, uh, but they were reading like it was it was like a printout of something else. It was like a sheet, a seminar they were going through. And and it's just, you know, so I started a conversation and, and I, I just love the fact this, this person wasn't a Christian, um, just had been influenced. And so, I, and you know, and there's stuff in there that talks about, and anyway, we got to have a great conversation. So it's this, I mean, so when you hear the name Gary Chapman, you just know his influence is pervasive. And there was an article in Christianity Today recently, uh, Gary Chapman doesn't know he's famous. And that is true, and he is. He's a experienced and well-respected family counselor, well-known author, more than 40 books, hosts a nationally syndicated radio program called A Love Language Minute, and building relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman. His book, Five Love Languages, has been published in more than 50 languages, more, sold more than 14 million copies. Together, his books and my books have sold more than 14 million copies. That's kind of a joke there. His most recent book is Things I Wish I'd Known Before My Child Became a Teenager. Now, this is late for me because all three of my daughter, well, I have two are teenagers and one is in her 20s, uh, but super helpful stuff and a great topic for us to talk about today. And I know that you are going to want to call in and ask questions of Dr. Gary Chapman. And so let me tell you the number here at the top of the show, um, 877-548-3675. Just imagine you have the opportunity to sit down with one of the world's most influential and helpful counselors and ask questions about teenagers and raising kids and more. And so we are so excited to have Dr. Gary Chapman with us today. Thanks for joining us on the program. Well, thank you, Ed. It's great to be with you again. Well, my enthusiasm, as you can tell, is high because I'm a big Gary Chapman fan. So let's let's just jump right in um, and talk some about teenagers. And of course, we have some copies of things I wish I'd known before my child became a teenager that we're going to give away to callers who are amazing. It's not just like call in and get a book, but I want amazing callers with amazing questions. And yeah, so love the opportunity to talk with you about this. I might just take up the whole time asking about my teenagers. But anyway, let's start with a little bit of your journey. You and your wife raised two children. What are some of the things you wish you had known before your kids entered the teen years? You know, I think one of the first things that jumps to my mind is I wish I'd known that teenagers need to learn how to process anger. And the reason that jumps to my mind is because I didn't know how to process anger very well until I had a teenage son. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Ed, uh, I have to be honest, I didn't have much of an anger problem myself until I got married. And uh, I didn't have a super, super problem until my son uh, became a teenager. And uh, when he was yelling and screaming at me, I began to ask myself, where did he learn that? And it became pretty obvious that he had learned it from me. So uh, I guess that's uh, the reason I say that first is because I'll never forget that experience. He and I were in an argument one night. I think he was probably 14. And he was yelling at me. I was yelling at him. And we said hateful things to each other. In the middle of it, he just walked out of his room walked across the living room, slammed the door, and walked outside. And when he did, I woke up, and I said, Oh, God, 
I thought I was further along than this, yelling at my son I love. And I just wept, and my wife tried to console me. You know, she said, honey, he, he started that. I heard the whole thing. He's got to learn how to respect you. But, you know, it's hard to console a sinner. <laughs> and yeah. so she finally gave up. And I just poured my heart out to God, you know, and just confessed to God my failure at that point. And I just sat there, and I don't know whether it was an hour or how long, but eventually my son walked back in the house, and when he did, I said, Derek, uh, would you come in here just a minute, son? And he did. And I just poured my heart out. I said, I, I want to apologize to you. I said, no father should ever talk to a son the way I talk to you. And I know I, I said hateful things, and, and that's not the way I feel about you. I love you. And, and I just poured my heart out and finally said, I, I hope that you can forgive me. And he said, Dad, that wasn't your fault. I started that. And when I was walking up the street, I asked God to forgive me. And I want to ask you to forgive me. And we hugged and we cried and we hugged and we cried. And when that was all over, I said to him, Derek, why don't we learn how to handle anger by talking mm rather than yelling. So the next time you feel angry, how, let's try this. You just say, Dad, I'm angry, can we talk? And I'll just sit down and listen to you. And if I'm angry, I'll say, Derek, I'm angry, can we talk? And that was the turning point. I mean, from that point on, we learned how to talk our way through anger rather than yelling our way through anger. But, you know, every teenager is going to have anger as well as every parent. It's just a matter of some of us as parents didn't learn how to handle it <laughs> until we had mm -hmm. a teenager. But uh, and it's important for us to learn how because you know they're gonna they're gonna follow our model. So yeah, that was. So I've often said uh, Ed, that was one of the saddest nights of my life because of my own failure, but one mm. of the happiest nights of my life because my son had just demonstrated that he knew how to apologize. You know, and I thought, well, someday he's gonna be married and he's gonna need to know how to apologize because <laughs> none of us are perfect. Oh, so yeah, uh, teenagers need to learn how to process anger. No, that's, help. that's super helpful. And I, I think that first I want you to be my dad because uh, I think <laughs> we could sit down and have those conversations. And by the way, I deeply love my father and we're very close. But we have, we would have none of those. None of us knew how to process anger as a kid. Grew up in kind of a, you know, I don't know union, iron lather home, uh, a lot of alcohol, a lot of lack of communication that goes back generations and yet here I become a dad and find some of the same patterns that my dad would later say he regretted that I would have to say to my daughters. I have all, I have all daughters that, um, that I regretted. But so do you, and I, I love that you sat down and had that conversation. A lot of parents are listening right now and saying, I, I, I wish I, I wish I had that conversation. And they, and they, they didn't cause they, they don't know how to deescalate their own anger, let alone their teenager's anger. How do you, I mean, you're a counselor. So what a like normal non Gary Chapman people do to get into that kind of conversation you had with your son, Derek? Well, you know, uh, typically they don't unless they either read a book about it or a friend, they have a class at church, you know, and anger is discussed there, or they talk to a friend about their struggle. Uh, you know, if they reach out, I mean, there's help, you know, you, we don't have to, we don't have to be controlled by anger. And there's nothing wrong with the emotion of anger. That's the first thing to realize. You know, the Bible says God is angry every day with the wicked. So if God gets angry, we get angry, I think, because we're made in his image and we have a concern for right. And when our sense of right is violated, we feel angry. So anger is not the problem. It's whether we manage anger well. 
mismanaged anger destroys relationships. It destroys marriage. It, it puts a fracture between parents and children. So the whole key is learning how to process anger. And I think what the first step is to take a time out. You know, if you're angry, uh, don't start talking. Uh, take a time out. You know, my mother, Ed, told me, she said, son, when you get angry, count to 10 before you say anything or do anything. Now, I think my mother was on the right track. I would just say, you better count to 100 or 1,000 because 10's, 10's not long enough to cool off. So cool off first, you know, and then now, now, let, now let's, let's hear each other out. And again, you have to learn how to listen and not interrupt the teenager when they start telling their side of it and say, well, that's not right. You know, let them talk. In fact, but, I suggest Gary, it's not right. It's not right. You can't tell me that. They're 14 years old. <laughs> Can I not interrupt? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the thing is the teenager needs to be heard. And okay. we don't have to agree with them, but they need to be heard. Yeah. And when they're angry, they're angry because in their mind, if they're angry at us, because in their mind, we're not doing right. Now, you know, there's two kinds of anger. There's, there's sinful anger that comes when somebody sins against you, and that's, that's biblical anger. That's godly anger. But we also get angry because we don't get our way. And a yeah. lot of teenage anger falls in that category. They're asking you for something, and you're saying, no, you can't have it. And they're angry because all my friends have it. Da, 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 da. But I think listening is the first thing. We have to listen to the teenager, hear their side, what they're thinking and what they're feeling. And if we discuss this beforehand, like I did with my son, so we have a plan now on how we're going to do this. And so you give them five minutes to share their whole side, and you just listen to them. You know, and maybe then ask questions to clarify. And then you have your turn. You can share your side as a parent. And you're teaching them two skills. You're teaching them, first of all, how to, how to listen to each other. Because by nature, we don't listen. By nature, we do interrupt each other. Uh, and so learning how to listen to their perspective and express understanding. You know, just, there were times that I, had, I would say, you know, Derek, I hear what you're saying, man. And I can see why you'd be angry. And if I were a teenager and I were in your shoes... I would probably feel just the way you feel. And we would. If we had their personality, we interpreted it like they did. Now you're affirming their thoughts and their feelings. You're not agreeing with them, but you're expressing understanding. And then you say, now, now let me tell you my perspective, you know, and once you tell your perspective and all. Then I think we do have to remind the teenager, while I understand what you're saying, and I fully, if I were there, I'd probably feel the same way. Remember, I'm the father and you're the son. And in the final analysis, the father has to make the final decision. And I'm going to make my decision based on my love for you. And it may not sound like love or feel like love to you, but when I say I'm not going to allow this, allow you to do this, it's because I believe it's for your benefit. And again, they may not agree with you. I remember when my son said to me once, uh, he said, Dad, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do what you say because, you know, I'd established that. But I just want you to hear me. You know, and that's what mm -hmm. really put this on my front burner. First thing, we've got to hear them uh, rather than just coming back and cutting them off. Fascinating, fascinating. So helpful. We're going to have more conversation with Gary Chapman and your calls. Maybe like me, you've got some teenagers at home. Maybe you're getting ready for that. Maybe you're ready to walk through that journey. It's a wonderful and challenging, maddening and joyful journey, journey at the same time. And we're taking your calls, and it's at 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. Things I wish I'd known before my child became a teenager with Dr. Gary Chapman. 
As believers in Jesus, we know our citizenship on earth is actually temporary, but the days can be challenging navigating a world in cultural decline. A.W. Tozer brings help and encouragement in his book, Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. He tackles the how-to of confronting and battling worldliness while we live in anticipation of heaven. Be better equipped to take on each day. Read Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. Your copy is at moodypublishers.com. Hey, we're back with Dr. Gary Chapman. Fun fact, our team, I actually broadcast from my studio just near Wheaton College. I serve at the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. So I got a little studio out here of which, by the way, Gary Chapman is a graduate of Wheaton College. And But our team is actually doing all the work from the Chapman Center at Moody Bible Institute. So also we're named after Dr. Gary Chapman and... Uh, he's a graduate there as well. So super fun to make all those connections as well. We're talking to Dr. Chapman about his new book, Things I Wish I'd Known Before My Child Became a Teenager, which uh, for me, it's late, but I'm still learning, and I think that's great. So talk to me a little bit, Gary, about brain development. Uh, Brain development, how does that factor into the decisions that teenagers make? Well, that's one of the things I wish I'd known that the brain is actually reprogramming itself in the teenage years. And one of the things that's happening is they're beginning to learn how to think logically. Now, please don't hear me say that they're logical. (laughs) I said they're learning to think logically. Therefore, they are questioning things that we have taught them through the years. Parents sometimes say they're argumentative. And that's the way it comes across to the parent. But really... The, the brain is beginning to think logically, and they are questioning things that you have taught them through the years. But that's a good thing, not a bad thing. And now, the way they're presenting it might come across as being argumentative and, and disrespectful. But really, we need, to, we need to work with what's happening in their brain. And so they're questioning us about certain things that we've taught them through the years, rather than to say, now, you know better than that. I mean, I've taught you different from that all these years. I mean, what you, we, we get in an argument with them. <laughs> no, far better to say, you know, it's interesting. What, what brought that to your mind? So you find out what, where it's coming from. Maybe it's coming from something they heard at school, or maybe it's something they've read, or something they saw on, on television or online. And you kind of get the picture of how this uh, came to their mind in the first place. And they say, you know, that, that is really, I'm glad you're thinking about that. Uh, why don't we both uh, read some things and do a little research, and let's talk about that more. See, now you're helping them develop logical thinking. So you're going to expose them to reading material or, uh, or a program on, on radio that you think would be helpful on that topic, and then you're discussing it again. So you're helping them develop the skill of logical thinking because eventually they're going to have to make their own decisions. And learning how to make wise decisions is an extremely important thing during the teenage years. Uh, so uh, that's, that's one thing I wish I'd known. The other thing I wish I'd known about the brain is that the emotional center of the brain during those teenage years is swinging, huge swings from emotional highs to emotional lows. And this is a normal thing. This is what's happening inside. In the morning, for example, they may be really happy and jovial with you, in the afternoon, they come home, or in the evening, and they're kind of cold, and they're kind of down. And you don't know what stimulated that, but something happened during the day 
what some friend said or something they experienced, which has caused them to go in the pit emotionally. And if we understand that that is normal, that's going to happen. Again, we don't condemn them for that. We just try to process things with them, even asking questions in terms of what happened today? What was the highlight of your day? Or what was the worst thing that happened in your life today? And they tell you, and now you know why they're in the pit, because now you're looking at the world through their eyes and what happened to them that day. Fascinating, fascinating, and so helpful. Again, we're talking to Gary Chapman. We're taking your calls about parenting teenagers and more. We're going to give away some copies of Gary Chapman's new book, Things I Wish I'd Known Before My Child Became a Teenager. The number, 877-548-3675. We're going to go in just a moment to Dana and then to Harold, so I want both of you to be ready for that. Let me remind you again of the number, 877-548-3675. Three six seven five. So first, go to Dana. Dana, you are live on the air. What's your question or your comment for Dr. Chapman? Uh, this is a great subject. I really appreciate it. Um, so my daughter, my youngest daughter, became a widow two years ago after her husband was sick for six years, and uh, she has uh, at that time an eleven-year-old, and now she's got a thirteen-year-old daughter. And I'm trying to figure out the grandparents' role in handling the anger kind of like on both sides and not not taking sides but i've already learned from y'all today some things that i can already do to help out in this crazy situation so thank you well super dana hold on for a second so while he answers but gary let me mention to dana hold on the line too because we're going to jump on the line and give you a copy of things I wish I'd known before my child became a teenager. But go ahead and help us with the grandparent thing, Gary. Yeah, and I think that would be an excellent book for his daughter, who is the widow but has this teenager to, to read. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, first of all, I'm really glad to see as a grandfather that he's interested, you know, in wanting to help his, his daughter and her relationship with her teenage, uh, her teenage daughter. So uh, I think uh, as, a, as a grandparent, we have to be careful that we are not jumping in too early or in, in such a strong way with, with our adult child. Uh, but we do want to be available for them. And we want to give advice when we think we have something to say. But it's better to ask before you speak. That is, for example, if she, if she brings up the topic of her teenage daughter's anger, and uh, then you can say, well, you know, uh, I was listening to a radio program the other day, and I heard some things that really stimulated uh, my thinking about this. And, and so now, you know, she's open, she's asking, so you're sharing something with her. But to just walk in and say, you've got you've to get control of your own anger because your daughter's going to turn out to be like you. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> now you just drive her away. You understand what yeah. I'm saying? So again, as grandparents, we, we play an important role, but with our adult child, uh, it's more like waiting for them to open the door for our advice rather than our just going in and giving our advice to them. But uh, having listened to this program and now receiving a copy of this book, that would be a wonderful thing, you know, to, a way to say, I was listening to the program, they gave me a copy of this book, and I thought you might, like, you might really enjoy reading it. And she probably will because she's probably struggling herself with, you know, how do, I, how do I respond to my daughter who seems to be very different now than she was, you know, a couple of years ago. No, and I, I do think that conversation starters like that, you know, I've got this book or, you know, even if you want to say, you know, you listen to this program, if you want to share the program, it's always available at edstetzerlive.com. You know, about 10 minutes after the show's done, it's all uploaded and you can share it and then have dialogue about it as well. So, so again, the, the book, I want to commend to you again, is Things I Wish I'd Known Before My Child Became a Teenager. We're going to go to Harold next. Harold is in, here in Illinois. Harold, go ahead. You're live on the air. 
Hi, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I'm a teacher, and I want to thank you, uh, Mr. Chapman, for having your five love language quiz. And I have students take your, I believe it's apology quiz. Is that what it's called? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I guess my main uh, statement and then question is, in recent light of the Travis Scott Astroworld concert deaths, you know, why isn't the church or the president, you know, virtue signaling, cancel culture, society, more concerned about the toxic rock, rock and hip-hop idols that influence our children and our teens? Why isn't there more being talked about this? In the well, that's a, yeah, that's a question I wish I could answer. <laughs> why, don't, why aren't people more concerned? Because one of the things I deal with in the book is that I wish I'd known that teens need guidance even more in the teenage years. You know, I knew early on that it, it, when children are young, the parents have to really be in there giving guidance. But I didn't realize that when they get to be teenagers, they're going to need guidance even more. And especially mm -hmm. today, a thousand voices are calling out at our teenagers. And, and they can't avoid the voices. I mean, they're there, you know. Uh, so I think uh, we have to recognize that we want to talk with our teenagers about whatever they're being exposed to. And if we have that, build that openness between us and the teenager, where we say, you know, I want to, I want to share with you things that are going on in my life, and I want you to share things that are going on in your life, and maybe we can help each other. And uh, when they sense that, that you value their input about things that are going on in your life, you know, you're teaching them a whole thing of communication about these sorts of things. But in terms of why, you know, why the culture itself is not more concerned about some of these things, you know, we don't, we don't determine what other people do. Uh, but we are responsible. Our first responsibility, primary, of course, is to God. And in the family, uh, that's our first assignment as parents, mm -hmm. uh, is to mm -hmm. help our children work through all the things that they are being exposed to in our culture. And if we can be that kind of model, we're at least helping our children process things by thinking and, and checking all the facts out and looking at the, the, the things that are false and disturbing in the music world or whatever other world uh, area of the world we're looking at. So mm -hmm. I don't know, uh, but I think obviously the more people who are concerned about what their children are being exposed to and how to process all of that, uh, the better we're going to be. But we, we certainly have a fundamental responsibility to our own children. Yeah, Harold, good good question. And I thought you were done there, so apologize for cutting you off. Good question, but if you'll hang on the line, we want to give you a copy of, of Things I Wish I'd Known Before My Child Became a Teenager. And I share your concern. I would also add social media into that. This can be very toxic in the midst as well. So uh, again, our number, 877-548-3675. We're talking about Raising teenagers, um, eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Let's go. Let's go to uh, to one more to Sharon. Uh, Sharon here in Illinois as well. Sharon, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Hi, thank you so much for accepting my call, and I appreciate everything that you're doing. As parents, we really need to hear this encouragement and the words because it's, as you stated, a very difficult world that these children are being raised in. Um. I have so many questions, but the only one I will ask right now is in reference to communicating with a teenager. My daughter is uh, just, she's, she's gone through quite a bit of change with her sister being in boarding school for the past four years and now in college, and she's very rebellious to the parents. However, 
externally with with friends you meet her any stranger meets her you think she's the most adorable sweet young lady so i am having a lot of issues in terms of communication with her i cannot communicate with her at all she's very rebellious with both dad and i well, I think uh, this is a common situation with teenagers, that they are rebellious uh, with parents over certain things, whereas with other people who encounter them, they would not necessarily see that kind of rebellion. Uh, I, there's no, no one answer to that, no magic wand to that. I do think, however, uh, to recognize that she's obviously struggling with some things in her life and her mind, her emotions and all, how her sister's being gone, you know, has influenced that. I don't know whether that's a major issue or not, or whether uh, she's being exposed to things in school, for example, that are different from what you and your husband, you know, have tried to help her. Uh, so teenagers are going through that. But the more the more you can listen to her when she talks, uh, now sometimes in their rebellion they don't talk. You ask what's going on and they say nothing, you know. But the more you can create an atmosphere where she can talk and not feel condemned because here's part of the problem when a child's going through rebellion then their words are are negative to their parents and disrespectful from our perspective and consequently we give them negative words it's just a natural response that we have we give them negative words and so then they feel condemned and are even more rebellious so Developing the skill of listening to them, even though you disagree with what they're saying, creates an atmosphere where she's more likely to share openly with you. Good, great answer. We're going to continue our conversation with Gary Chapman and your calls, uh, 877-548-3675. Again, 877-548-3675. We are talking to Dr. Gary Chapman. I'm Ed Stetzer. This is Ed Stetzer Live. You can find this and every program at edstetzerlive.com. Uh, once you get there, you can subscribe to the podcast, listen to this past episodes. Uh, we have Greg Laurie next week. Um, we have Chris Hodges the week after that. Uh, Greg will be talking about, about Jesus People Movement and evangelism, and Chris will be talking about depression from his new book. And I'm guessing that you might find some of those helpful, So, but maybe not every not you're not available every Saturday at this time. So go to edstetzerlive.com, subscribe to the podcast. You can also share this show, which I imagine is going to be, um, well, very helpful, already has been so, but very helpful to people who maybe aren't listening now, but you're like, well, I need to share this with my, my wife. I need to share this with, you know, somebody else. And so feel free. Also, we're taking your calls, 877, talking about teenagers, the challenges, the opportunities, the blessings, the all that, that is involved, 877-548-3675. We're talking about Gary Chapman's new book, Things I Wish I'd Known Before My Child Became a Teenager. Again, 877-548-3675. Um, it's interesting that, Gary, when people sort of call in, they sort of have ages that they mention, and it's... It seems that as the father of three daughters who are all now past being 15, but one's currently 17, it, it seems that there, things happen around certain years. You know, I, I, you know, when they're 11, it's a whole different conversation. But that 17-year-old, that 18-year-old, they start developing new paths, new ideas and directions. How should we think about the timing of those years and involving and engaging those conversations along the way? 
Well, I think the important thing, Ed, is that we stay engaged in conversations mm-hmm. during those stages because you're right. Yeah. You know, At the age of 13, and it varies with different children, of course, uh, they, yep. they're beginning to develop, as we said, logical thought. They may become argumentative. Not not every teenager, but some do. Sure. Uh, but as you said, when they get to be 17, they're, ha- they're having thoughts about other things that they weren't thinking about when they were 13. So we just need to stay tuned in. And whatever they're interested in, if they're into sports, then we want to know enough about sports that we can encourage that. And if they're into music, we want to be listening to some of the things they're listening to, talking about what, what, uh, what we're hearing. Uh, and uh, if we stay engaged and, rather, and don't put them down simply because they're interested in this, that, or the other thing, kind of walk that road with them, then we're going to be able to have an influence if we kind of stay away from them and say they just isolate themselves. Now, the move, to the, the move toward independence is good. And, the, and in the teenage years, they're moving toward independence. You see, by the, in our culture, but when they're 18, they're going to need a measure of independence because typically mm-hmm. they're either going off to the university, they're going to join the military, or they're going to get a job. We hope. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so they're going to be out there. They're going to need to be independent. So one of the things I suggest to parents is make a list of all the things you would like your teenager to know how to do by the time they're 18. And mm-hmm. let the teenager help you make the list. Yeah, What would you like to know how to do by the time you're 18? Yeah. See, because mm-hmm. there are things they don't teach at the university. For example, they don't teach you how to wash dishes. They don't teach you how to cook unless you're, you know, enrolled in that course. Right. Uh, and right. it's a whole bunch of stuff. They don't teach you how to run a washing machine. Uh, I remember I used to visit college students at Wake Forest University, which is in our town, and we'd visit the freshman dorm, the guys' dorm, and invite them to some of the things we were doing. And you walk in about six weeks into the first semester. And something has happened in his life that's never happened before. All of his clothes got dirty at the same time. And you can smell them before you see them. Oh, yeah. And he didn't, oh, yeah. he didn't know what to do, you know. So some right, guy comes right. by and says, hey, man, I'll help you. Come on. And he takes them down. He shows them how to, you know, put the coins in and how to put the detergent in. But he left too soon. And the guy puts the black and the orange and the yellow and the white all in together. And everything turns out orange. And he says, what's wrong with your water here in North Carolina? <laughs> Folks, they don't teach you how to do that at the university. Nope. So uh, if you can play with that, walk with that independent move, but with independence yeah. should always come responsibility as well. Okay. If they want a, a pet, for example, you've never had a pet and they want a pet, fine. Then now they have to have the responsibility of feeding the pet and washing the pet and taking care of the pet, Okay. Uh, if they want chickens in the backyard, fine, get some chickens, and they have to <laughs> feed them. <laughs> You're teaching them responsibility, and those things go together. When they learn to drive, for example, uh, yeah, that's independence. Man, they get in a car and go somewhere by themselves, wow, that's for independence. But with that, there should be responsibilities, something they have to do, either keeping up the car, maybe vacuuming it every week, or, and then obeying pra- traffic laws. And if they break a traffic law, they lose the privilege for two days or a week, depending on what they've done. We want to teach them responsibility along with becoming more independent. 
I will tell you um, that this is important you know, public service announcement, that you can't have chickens or other fowl in certain uh, city limits. <laughs> I know because the police have shown up to our house to tell us that reality. So because so, we were being supportive of our, our, our very animal-minded daughter. And so anyway, we learned that lesson, and uh, it, was all, it was all good. So just a PSA so people may not do that. All right, well, in, in the book, you talk about social skills teens need to develop for life. And, and again, let yeah. me just remind everyone, we're talking about things I wish I'd known before my child became a teenager. What are those social skills they need? Well, there are many, of course, but uh, one few, a few of the ones we mentioned in the book or I mentioned in the book is one is the skill of expressing gratitude. Mm-hmm. Rather than grumbling, let's, let's have gratitude. And, and I give some practical ways on how to do this. Uh, for example, uh, just give each person, mom, dad, and, and the children, younger children, as long as they're able to write, in a, put them in a separate room in the house, each one in a separate room, and ask them to write down five things in that room that they're thankful for, focusing on just things, okay? And then next week, put them in a different room and let them do the same thing. You do that a couple of weeks, it's just getting before the whole family. we got a lot to be thankful for. And then move to people. And so the next time you put the name of each family member on a sheet of paper and ask them, privately to write down three things they appreciate about that person and then have a little family get together and everybody gets to read what they said about each person. Ooh, and the next week, have them add two things. Again, it's just a way of communicating and building into our family the idea that we want to be thankful for each other. We want to express appreciation to each other. So teaching a child the skill of expressing gratitude, you're setting them up for a positive lifestyle. And, uh, and, and maybe if you, if you happen to realize that you grumble yourself, just say to them, I want to give you all the opportunity the next two weeks, whenever you hear me grumble about anything, you just say, Mom or Dad, I think you're grumbling. And I'll say, I think you're right. So let me tell you three things I appreciate. <laughs> now, again, you're being open so invulnerable to them, but they see, man, this is serious. We're, we're, we're learning how to do this, and Mom and Dad's learning how to do this. So gratitude. Another one is the skill of asking questions of people. Mm-hmm. Um, teenagers, many, do not ask questions. You know, when they're little, they're asking questions all the time. All and they get to be time. teenagers, and sometimes they stop asking questions. And I'm not talking here so much about informational questions as I am about uh, expressing interest in other people. So challenge a teenager, for example. How about this week you have one conversation with somebody at school that uh, you haven't had a conversation with, uh, don't know very much about, and ask them some questions about themselves. Because teenagers will talk if another teenager asks questions. And uh, it's, it's deve- helping them develop those skills. Because, listen, if we have the skill of expressing interest in other people's lives, we will never meet a stranger who remains a stranger because we're asking questions, and they will talk to us about it. And my wife is a perfect example of that. She, she can meet someone in the grocery store, and 30 minutes later she knows their whole life story. <laughs> because she has questions. I've, I have them. I have visited with your wife, and I can attest this is a true fact. This is a true fact. <laughs> so those are two of the skills, uh, you know. Yep. And the other, another is a skill of listening, of course. And again, we have to model this for them. If the teenager is talking to you, and you're trying to multitask, can I encourage you not to multitask? 
but to give your full attention to whatever that teenager's saying. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to a teenager and your telephone rings and you answer the telephone, you are communicating to that teenager, someone out there is more important than you. I know that's not what you intend to do, <laughs> but that's yep, what they're yep, going to yep. feel if you do that consistently. So you teach them how to listen, give your full attention to people when they're talking because they need to learn how to do that as well. So, Good, 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 good conversation. We're going to continue our conversation in uh, just a moment with Gary Chapman as well. We're going to be able to take our, our last segment, and in doing so, we're going to try to get in a few calls as well. So your last chance to call, 877-548-3675 is our number, 877 877- Five four eight three six seven five. We're talking about things I wish I'd known before my child became a teenager. Uh, that's Gary's newest book, and many of us have shelves full of Gary Chapman's book. And this one probably gets it right where a lot of us are struggling. Again, eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Hey, we're back and going right to your calls. Ed Stetzer Live. We're with Gary Chapman talking about his new book um, on teenagers. It's called Things I Wish I'd Known Before My Child Was a Teenager. And as you can imagine, Gary Chapman, there are people who would like to ask you questions. So let's first go to David down there in Florida. David, you're up live on the air. What's your question, your comment? All right. All right. Look, I'm to a 12- and 14-year-old, and all I get is negativity all the time on everything. They wake up negative, they go to sleep negative, everything is negative. And I don't know how to break that cycle. I don't, you know. Yeah, we're having a little hard time hearing you, David, so we're kind of, you're kind of saying that, but if you can go ahead and turn your radio on and you can listen to the answer because you're just kind of fading it out, but a lot of negativity from, if I I think I said a 12 and a 15-year-old. So, Gary, and Gary, what do you think? Yeah, well, I think uh, many times uh, teenagers are negative, but there's something behind the negativity. That is what's going on in their heart and their mind that's causing them to be negative about things. And again, you can try to inquire, and they may not respond to to communicate with you what's going on. Uh, But here's a question I would start with, I think, and, and ask it to them individually, not when they're together. Just say to them, on a scale, I've been thinking about my role as a father or a mother, and uh, on a scale of zero to 10, how much love do you feel coming from me? Hmm. And let them give you a number. And then you say, what, what, makes you, uh, what makes you choose that number? And then they will tell you, and they'll tell you, because you da-da-da-da, or you, or you never, you, da, you, you, and they'll, they'll tell you. And it may, it may be painful to hear that, but you see, sometimes negativity grows out of a sense of not feeling loved. Now, I know you love your teenager. I mean, by nature, we love our children. But the question is not, do we love our teenager? The question is, does the teenager feel loved? Mm-hmm. I remember some time ago, a 13-year-old young man was in my office who had run away from home. And in the full course of our conversation, he said to me, my parents don't love me. They love my brother, but they don't love me. I knew his parents. I knew they loved him but they had never learned how to speak his love language. So if you're not familiar with that concept, the love language, we deal with it in this book, give a little recap in this book. Uh, I, would, uh, I would ask that question to them and then maybe challenge them to go online and take the free quiz for teenagers on, on fivelovelanguages.com 
to help you discover what their primary love language is and their love language is. Because when teenagers feel loved by the parents, they tend to be less negative. They tend to be more open to instruction from parents. So uh, I think that's where I would start. And uh, if they see that you're interested in being a better father, a better mother, and, uh, and this is one of the areas you're asking about, they, they could begin to change their attitude toward you mm-hmm. when they begin to see that you want to be a better. Another question to ask is, if you could give me one idea on how I could be a better father or a better mother, uh, what would it be? Mm. And again, their answer will be very telling because they will be telling you what hurts them about the relationship and what in their mind you could do that would make things better for you. So taking that kind of approach rather than uh, a more authoritarian approach in which you're going to tell them things they need to do because they're obviously not responding to that very well. So I I would take that Mm -hmm. approach. Good deal. And David, uh, our producer will jump on the line, and we want to give you a copy of Things I Wish I'd Known Before My Child Became a Teenager. Let's go to Ann, also in Florida, listening on WKES. Ann, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Hi. Well, first, thank you so much for taking my call and for the wisdom that you guys are sharing with all of us here. Um, I have a 14-year-old son, and um, I recently found on one of his um, group chats that um, there has been some video exchange of sexual content, uh, not between the teenagers themselves, but stuff that they have gathered from, I guess, the web. And uh, I have... I don't know how to address it. I, I, I feel so inadequate, don't even know where to start. We've had some talks before about um, um, him obviously growing up, developing, and things that he may be exposed to, but this is more than I expected, and I'm not sure how, how, how to go about it. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I deal with that rather thoroughly in a book that I wrote with Clarence Schuler, who's an African-American friend of mine. It's written to young men uh, who are in the teenage years. It's called Choose Greatness, 11 Wise Decisions That Brave Young Men Make. And we're suggesting that a father, ideally a father, will read this with the teenager. I don't mean sitting down with them, but they each read the chapter. And then they discuss uh, the questions at the end of the chapter. And the chapter on sexuality, we deal pretty open and explicitly with that. And it, this, is, this is a tool that many fathers, and of course if it's not a father in the home, then a mother could certainly do this. Uh, but it gives them a tool to open up conversation about this because we discuss other things as well. It's not just sexuality. And the more we, when we work through something like that with a teenager uh, and we discuss it in the context of other things, it's easier for you and easier for them as well because you're not just bringing up the subject, you know, out of, out of a clear blue sky. So I, I would suggest you may want to check that out at Moody Publishers. It's a Moody Publisher book, so you could get it at their website. It's called Choose Greatness. Uh, and in terms of what has just happened when you've just discovered this, I would say ask questions. First of all, you have to tell them how you discovered it, you know, and then you say, you know, I, I, it was just concern, I was just concerned about it, and I want to know how you feel about it. Uh, do you feel this is appropriate, or, or what, what are your thoughts about this? Because we've talked a little bit about it in the past, but I'm open to talking more about it if, if, you, if you would like to do so. So, again, you're not coming across so much as condemning as you're coming across asking questions about, you know, who initiated this, where do you think this came from, 
uh, why is this attra- is, is this attractive to you, or do you feel this is healthy or unhealthy? Uh, carrying on that kind of conversation, uh, you're more likely to for them to receive what you might say, you know, in the, in the midst of that conversation. Super helpful, super helpful. And if, again, if you'll stay on the line, we want to give you a copy and if you, of the book. So stick on the line for for just a moment. Let Let's go to I, I really uh, let's go to Lori. She's listening on Faith Radio. It's kind of a, one of our partner networks up in the Upper Midwest. And Lori, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Hi, um, my question is: How can I let a child know that the things I do are out of love? and not because I'm trying to ruin their life, as they seem to think. And an example of that would be um, setting boundaries for online and social media activity, um, and also like phone, mobile phone usage. Yeah, yeah, such a good question, Lori. Lori, Gary, we only got about two two minutes left, but go ahead and weigh in on that, please. Yeah, well, I'd say, first of all, you're not likely to get uh, uh, accolades from teenagers when you set limits. But limits need to be set. So just realize you are the parent, and you, you're going to do what you think is best for them, okay? You can tell them that, but they may not acquiesce in that. They may not say that. If you really love me, you would do, you know, whatever they want you to do. And you say, I can understand how you'd feel that way, but as a, a mother, as a parent, I have to do what I believe is best for you. And in our family, this is the way we're going to operate it. So uh, though they may not accept it, it's still the best thing to do. So just realize that teenagers are going to push back when you have guidelines that they don't agree with. Okay, So we just have to accept some of that, but also affirm in a kind way that we, we have to do what we believe is best for them. And And sometimes they're not going to respond to that, but we stick with it. That's kind of a recurring theme of the book. Got about 30 seconds left. Kind of give that encouragement to parents who may be close to giving up. Yeah, I think as parents, we have to recognize that we too are in process, you know, and one of the things I've asked myself through those years was, what if my teenagers turn out to be like me? (laughs) <laughs> you know, what if they handle anger the way I do? What if they apologize the way I do? What if they grow up to treat their spouse the way I treat my spouse? Uh, what, what if they grow up to teach? What if they grow up to teach? What if they grow up to treat their teenagers the way I treat mm-hmm. my teenagers? You know, this this right. sobering because really they are influenced more by our model than they are by our words, and so mm-hmm. it's a time for us to be growing as well. So helpful. Gary Chapman, I, I speak for millions of people when I say we're thankful for you, and thanks for joining us on the program today as well. Well, thank you, Ed. It's always good to be with you. Keep up the good work. Thanks, brother. Well, again, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Gary Chapman. also want to thank my team behind the scenes today, Trisha McMillian, M- McMillan, uh, who's producing today, my engineer, Courtney Young, Hans Nakua, who's working work the phones today. We've got a great team, as always, there at the Chapman Center, which is super fun to mention. Tune in next week. I'm going to talk to uh, Pastor Greg Laurie about the impact of the Jesus People Movement and about evangelism. To hear today's program again, you'll find it at edstetzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. You can connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the social media at Ed Stetzer Live. Ed Stetzer Live, of course, is a production of Moody Radio, which is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. The parents out there, hang in there. Uh, don't give up. Look to the Lord for strength. And hopefully you'll be encouraged by Gary Chapman's words today. Thanks for listening.